We're very thankful today to be joined by Dr. Morgan Torres. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Well, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, tell us about your background uh, educationally and how you came to Southern Illinois. Of course. Well, I'm originally from um, Colorado. That's where I did my undergraduate studies. I then went to medical school at Des Moines University in Iowa, and then I completed my residency training in general um, obstetrics and gynecology at uh, Spectrum Health in uh, Michigan State University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I then came to uh, Carbondale in Southern Illinois area as I am a National Health Service course scholar, um, meaning that I have decided to dedicate my time and energy to serving um, areas that are medically underserved. And Southern Illinois is one of those areas that are medically underserved and I guess there are programs in place that I'm not fully familiar with that help incentivize bringing qualified people like yourself to the area. So as a local leader, I'm the mayor of Murfreesboro. I'm happy to hear that those Mm -hmm. programs are actually working and and bringing people here to Southern Illinois. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful area. My family and I have loved it so far. I have to just you bring up something. Uh, You say you went to Michigan State. Yeah, for a training, for my residency training, Spectrum Health, Michigan State University at Butterworth Hospital. Is that place as big as I um, sort of perceive it to be in my mind? Do they still have like 50,000 students on campus there? Um, so uh, the Grand Rapids campus is a little bit smaller. The main campus is in Lansing, but where I was at, the medical school was attached to the hospital system in um, Grand Rapids, Michigan. It was called the Medical Mile. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you're joining us today because we want to talk about uh, cervical cancer, and it seems like each month highlights a certain medical concern throughout the course of the year. And I didn't know until preparing for this interview that uh, January is the month whenever medical providers try to highlight this particular health challenge. Correct. Yeah, January is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month. And a lot of the push to highlight it so much is that um, in terms of areas of medicine, we have come up with really excellent ways to screen for and prevent cervical cancer. And in terms of cancer, uh, where does cervical cancer rank in terms of how many people it impacts every year? Um, Actually, because of really um, good screening and intervention processes, we've actually managed to, over the course of 30 years, decrease the number of cervical cancer uh, deaths by half. And so overall, it's not as common as some other cancers because we've had such good uh, screening and prevention strategies. So obviously, you want to help highlight those screening and prevention strategies because that's what's helping to win the battle. Um, What is preventing people from getting these screenings? So there's a couple things that um, may prevent uh, women from seeking, uh, you know, screening services. Some of them just don't realize the recommendations for screenings. Um, 
and which we'll go over in just a moment. Um, some of them have a lot of anxiety about what it means to come and see a gynecologist. And so part of our education is making sure we demystify that and help women to feel empowered about their health and can seek care in a collaborative and um, a collaborative environment that helps them feel comfortable about um, in, you know, taking charge of their health. What are the recommendations for screening? I assume that there's a specific age t- uh, attached to it. Correct. And I think there's a lot of confusion around this just because over the course of about 20 years, we've had a lot of updated recommendations about who should be screened and how often they, they are screened. Historically speaking, um, people used to be screened a lot younger and a lot more frequently. Um, The most recent uh, screening guidelines recommend that women uh, who are age 21, that we should always start screening at age 21. Um, It used to be tied about whether or not someone was sexually active, but that is no longer a part of the recommendation. So all women ages 21 start screening. um, And women who are aged 21 to 29 get screened with what's called a pap test. Okay, um, which I'll go over what that means in a second. And then eight women who are ages 30 to 65 can get screened with a pap smear test as well as HPV testing. And you mentioned, you know, what the test is. And then at the end of that answer, you mentioned HPV. Of course, human papillomavirus is widespread and it um, is, I think, as obviously I'm not an expert on the topic, one of the leading causes of cervical cancer? Uh, Correct. About 97% of all cervical cancers are associated with HPV infections, also known as human papillomavirus infections. There are about 40 different types of HPV, although there are some that are more likely to cause changes that proceed to cancer, and those include types 16 and 18. I had no idea there were 40 different types of HPV. Mm Mm-hmm. There are. Most people don't realize that. It's one of our most prevalent um, viral infections within our population. All right. Well, you talked about the testing, and you mentioned that you kind of go into more detail on that, and so I'll give you that opportunity. Yeah. So we talked about the primary screening mechanism being something called a pap smear. Um, What a pap smear is and what you could expect when you have a screening is a pap smear is an exam done by usually either a primary care physician or even a gynecologist where we do an exam to look at the cervix, which is located in the vagina. It's the entrance to the uterus. We use an instrument so that we can see it. And then what the pap smear test actually is, is where we take a brush, get a collection of cells from the cervix and put it Uh, in a container of fluid to be examined by a pathologist. Um, The HPV testing actually gets um, performed if you're in the appropriate age group based uh, actually on that pap smear sample. So it's not necessarily a second test. You know, when you mentioned HPV again, there is a uh, HPV vaccine that I know is being recommended for, uh, I, I don't remember what the age group is. Uh, is that a part of uh, this uh, awareness uh, push? Absolutely. So we have uh, come up with an HPV vaccine that is able to help uh, prevent um, the um, acquisition of the, mo- of the most highly oncogenic or 
strains that are most likely to cause uh, cancer. Um, and uh, it's been very safe and very effective. So the age group um, in which the HPV vaccine is recommended is uh, starting in uh, girls or boys about age 11 or 12. But it's uh, you can start getting it as early or as early as age nine. Um, it works best. The reason why we recommend those age groups is that um, HPV is a sexually transmitted virus. And so the vaccine is the most effective when we administer it before um, people engage in sexual activity, which tends to be that early prepubescent um, time frame. Um, the vaccine is uh, the number of uh vaccines in the series kind of depends on your age. So if you get it between ages 9 and 14, it's a two-dose series. If you're above age 15, it's a three-dose series. The vaccine was recently expanded to be able to be administered for women um, ages 26 to 45. Um, but in that age group, the recommendation is to have a conversation uh, with your healthcare provider about whether or not that vaccine is appropriate and beneficial to you. Dr. Morgan Torres is our guest today. She is with us talking about Cervical Cancer Awareness Month, which is uh, January. Doctor, again, I know that uh, we don't want to press in on your time too much. Uh, is there anything else that we need to mention about this that we haven't covered to this point? Absolutely. Um, there is a a growing um, stigma that coming to the gynecologist or getting a pap smear is going to be a painful or difficult experience. Um, but I want to reassure the listeners that um, having these conversations with your provider and um, getting talked through this process, a pap smear should not be uncomfortable, it should not be painful. And so I don't want that to defer anyone from um from getting really good screening because we really truly can have made a difference in preventing this type of cancer. Well, I guess the other thing I ought to visit with you, and you may not be able to give great specifics about, but I'm sure that there are some people who just don't get screened because they say, well, I can't afford to get screened. It just costs too much money to get screened. And of course, some people have insurance, some people don't. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I would recommend them, them come visit a physician's office because there are local um, health programs that even for the uninsured or underinsured will qualify them for free and no cost screening for cervical cancer. There's like several programs in the state. And so those, that is something we definitely can help patients walk, uh, walk through that. And that shouldn't be a deterrent. Well, Dr. Torres, we're very grateful for your time. You represent your profession well, and we hope to uh, visit with you again uh, very soon. Thank you so much for having me and helping spread information about this um, very important health topic.